You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Star Wars 7 by 7 episode 1295 today. What we know about the mysterious Luke Skywalker and his time in between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens, thanks to the last Jedi Visual Dictionary. Punch it, Chewie. Hey, I'm Anthony Bresnikan, covering the Star Wars Galaxy for Entertainment Weekly, and you're listening to Star Wars 7x7, the only daily Star Wars podcast. Hey, Rebel Rouser. Welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host, Alan Voivod. And there are two two-page spreads dedicated to Luke Skywalker in the Visual Dictionary for The Last Jedi. And thank you again to DK Publishing for sending me a copy. One of the things that jumps out right away is that Legends of Luke Skywalker book. And if you recall, one of the stories involved him traveling to a world that read very much like it was Octu itself, but it is referenced here as a separate planet as Luel, L-E-W apostrophe E-L, and if you remember the scene where he rides that giant pole across a chasm and uses it to spearfish, well, that actually comes straight from The Legends of Luke Skywalker by Ken Liu. There's a little paragraph here in the Visual Dictionary that says, Learning to spearfish during his time on Luel, Luke has become adept at using a very long pole that reaches from a bluff and extends into an inlet between opposing cliffs. So, yes, I think we have a large part, or at least a large aspect of that story confirmed. And back when we were talking about The Legends of Luke Skywalker, that was one of the stories that I had said at the time was one of the ones that rang most true, meaning that it seemed to have more elements of truth to it and a more complete picture of truth than any of the other stories in there. Not to say that the rest of them were all utter falsehoods. They all seem to have their bits of truth in there as well. But as far as I can tell by reading these four pages here in the Visual Dictionary, it seems like that's the only one that's really referenced. There is another one here as well that kind of speaks to the book in general potentially, but uh, you know, it's not it's not indicative of one particular story. And that's the one where it talks about him gathering his quote-unquote disciples. Yeah, that's the word that's used in here. It says, Skywalker's first student was to be his sister Leia. However, she ultimately decided that the best path for her to serve the galaxy left no room for the extended isolation of Jedi training. As Leia concentrated on her new family and senatorial politics, Luke began his travels largely disappearing from galactic view. During this lengthy journey, Skywalker gathered disciples who would go on to become his first true students. And in The Legends of Luke Skywalker, that collection of short stories, there's really only one story where Force users, aside from Luke, are extant, and that is the story that takes place on the well. And so if anybody is being culled from his journeys, then that one character would be it. She was the one who referred to herself as Flux on the ship that was traveling to Canto Bight because she left Luel eventually to go find her fortune in the broader galaxy. 
All right, so let's talk about this fledgling Jedi Order and what we now know about it thanks to the Visual Dictionary. So it says that before he could restart the Jedi Order, he had a lot of questions that needed answering, and that resulted in a journey that took years as he chased down every remnant of Jedi lore he could find in an effort to piece together a fragmented past. This quest led Luke to understand much about himself and his destiny and gave him the confidence needed to revive the Order, unquote. And later on, it says Skywalker kept the location of his Jedi training temple a strict secret known only to members of his burgeoning order. When he found it ablaze, the grounds littered by slaughtered students, he knew the betrayal came from within. It was his nephew, consumed by darkness, who had led its destruction. The wider galaxy would not know of this calamity for years to come. Now, we know from that point that he went into isolation. We don't know that he went directly into isolation, but that is basically the way it's sort of been presented to us right now, or at least the conclusion to which we are being suggested to leap. And this is what it says about Temple Island here. It says, Over the years, Luke uncovered tantalizing clues as to the origin point of the Jedi, but its exact location remained a mystery. When he finally did piece together its location with the help of the old scholar Lor Santeca, Skywalker kept this information to himself. An unnamed island located in the northern latitudes of Actu was the site of the first Jedi temple. It was this world and its temple island where Luke would eventually hide away from the galaxy. But at this point, Luke doesn't even necessarily know how long he's been on the island. According to this, it says he's lost track of time on the island, the result of his willful neglect, as well as a mysterious quality the world shares with such force-infused locales as Dagobah and Mortis. And Mortis is, of course, a location that was featured in a three-story arc or a three-episode arc in the Clone Wars that we discussed at length on the podcast. And it also says news of the disaster that has befallen the galaxy shocks him out of his isolation. And so that also addresses his whole disconnection from the Force sort of thing, too. So... I'm going to bring one other item to bear here for us, which is the oft-referenced novel Bloodline by Claudia Gray, which takes place six years before The Force Awakens. So in that novel, Leia has not had any contact from either Luke or Ben for some time and believes them to be out traipsing around the galaxy together. This may not be, in fact, the case, especially when you look at a line like it says here about how the wider galaxy doesn't know of the calamity with the Jedi Order for years. It could be that that calamity has already taken place and Leia is unaware of it, thinking that Luke and Ben are still together. So there's sort of a neat division of thirds into this. And so maybe it's not right to say it's 10 years, 10 years, and 10 years, but you know, that's good enough for us to work with for now, where the first 10 years of his time after Return of the Jedi were all about seeking out this lost Jedi lore and getting ready to restart the Order. His second 10 years were his attempt to restart the Order, building a new Jedi training temple, and unfortunately that period of his life ending with the calamity of Kylo Ren destroying the temple, killing some of the students and taking the others with him to presumably become the eventual Knights of Ren. And then the third 10 years of his life being Luke in exile. So that right there is just about everything we know about Luke and his whereabouts during the 30 years between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. There is one other element that I want to share with you that actually relates to part of the conversation we had yesterday, and I'm going to share that with you after the break. Stay tuned. 
Hey Rebel Rouser, if you haven't done so already, please consider leaving a review for Star Wars 7x7 on your favorite podcast app. Not just a star rating, although I will say we are personally very proud of our near-unanimous five-star rating on iTunes. No, I just mean a thoughtful sentence or two about what you like about the podcast, or how happy you are that it's part of your daily routine. And more reviews means better visibility, which means more people get to share in a daily dose of Star Wars joy, and you want that, don't you? Of course you do, so please leave a review on your favorite podcast app today. I thank you, and the Star Wars 7x7 podcast thanks you. Welcome back. All right, remember the thing we were talking about yesterday about Uneti trees? That's the type of tree that exists on Actu, the great tree where the Jedi Library was housed. And I had thought there was a possibility, or at least certainly they had left open the possibility, that that was going to be tied to the tree saplings that Luke rescued in the Shattered Empire comic book series. Well, that is still unclear. And I did a little Wikipedia digging, and there's reference to the Great Tree, which was an ancient Force-sensitive tree that once grew at the heart of the Jedi Temple on Coruscant. That is, again, the quote from Wikipedia. And that the two twigs that were rescued from that Imperial base in Shattered Empire were the last remaining twigs from that Great Tree. However, it does not say whether the Great Tree is specifically a Uneti tree or not. That being said, in the last Jedi Visual Dictionary, one of the things that it says about Luke finding Octu, it says, Key to finding the island itself was studying the spread of Uneti saplings, a rare type of tree that is sensitive in its own way to the Force. So that almost closes the door on our botany discussions for the podcast. However, I have sent out a tweet to Pablo Hidalgo, Dave Filoni, and Leland Shi asking the question of whether the great tree at the Jedi Temple was a Uneti tree, and if I get a response from them, I will let you know. In the meantime, that is going to do it for today's podcast. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you take any awful risks with homing beacons, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And we'd be spectacularly grateful if you put a little something in the tip jar at Patreon.com SW7x7. It's not an easy escape, it's Destiny Unleashed. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the Force be with them. All original content is copyright 2018, Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.